Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, member MBB to PE shares his path out of a target university to a top role at a management consulting firm. We also get an inside look into what it was like recruiting for private equity during the crazy 2019 on-cycle recruiting process, from interviewing on a Thursday night from 8 p.m. until 1 a.m., to starting again the next day at 7 a.m., listen to game theory applied in a real-life context, and learn how he dealt with the split-second decisions that had significant career implications for his entire life. Enjoy. All right, MBB to PE, thank you for joining the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me, Patrick. So it'd be great if you could give the listeners just a short summary of your bio. Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I started at a Target school and um, was maybe a bit unusual in that uh, I really didn't know uh, the first thing about finance, um, what the industry was, or really even kind of what, what the stock market entailed, um, and was really focused on being an engineer, I would say, for the first couple of years of school. Um, and so it wasn't really until my junior year that um, having like actually interned um, you know, as an engineer uh, and, and kind of realized that I wasn't as interested in that path as I thought, um, that I got just generally more interested in uh, business and finance. Um, so, you know, through kind of kind of like a process of almost elimination and discovery of just talking to people and, and trying out some internships, um, you know, I, I, it was a kind of an iterative uh, process of figuring out what I actually wanted to do. First of all, realizing that I wanted to be an investor and then um, kind of finally figuring out, you know, where in investing I wanted to be, which was kind of buy out private equity. Um, and so once once I had finally kind of come to that, conclusion, uh, albeit a lot later than I think a lot of other people, um, you know, the, the question was like, okay, great. Now I kind of finally know where I want to be. You know, how do I get there? Um, and so, you know, for me at that point, um, you know, the, the analyst recruiting path, I think it largely closed off um, just because of how early things happen. Um, and keep in mind, right, this was, this was a little while ago. I think it's even earlier now. Um, mm -hmm. And so, you know, at that point, um, it was really kind of just banking versus consulting um, was, was kind of the choice I had to make. Um, and, you know, I, I talk about that more, but, you know, of course, I'm now at MBB. I'm really enjoying it. Um, and, uh, you know, last uh, September, um, successfully recruited on, on OnCycle. So, yeah, for the listeners that don't know, MBB stands for McKinney, McKinsey Banner BCG. We, for anonymity purposes, we'll keep it at that. Um, so let me just start starting back in undergrad. So you, you mentioned how you were too late for banking recruiting. By the time you kind of made that decision, I think a lot of students are in the same exact seat. Maybe they're majoring, maybe they're an engineer, maybe they're um, they're into political science, and then suddenly something in finance or economics kind of sparks their interest. And it's it's say late sophomore year or junior year. And um, what did you? I guess you you kind of eventually through some internships were able to figure out, hey, I want to be an investor, and and, and kind of backed from there, figured out, okay, well then, I guess consulting is the best. Kind of door that hasn't closed. Um, do you have any advice for for students um, that find themselves in a similar boat? Yeah, totally. I mean, I think you know, I wouldn't say necessarily banking was, was maybe closed off. I think it, it would have been theoretically feasible um, mm -hmm. to do full time recruiting, um, albeit I think it would have been hard. And I think if I was a banker looking at my resume, um, I, I would imagine it probably look like, well, maybe this kid doesn't know what he wants to do, um, or if he does know what he wants to do, it's probably not banking because um, I hadn't hadn't actually pursued it. At that point, um, and that would have been an accurate read, uh, frankly, because I think also um, from you know from the discussions I had and trying to figure out what I wanted to do, you know, I spoke with a lot of my friends who were in banking and, and people um, who had kind of come from banking to investing, 
Um, and so it's just the, the, the path itself didn't, didn't really interest me um, on a personal level. Um, and so I, it almost kind of was, again, was like a process of elimination of, of really thinking that I would enjoy consulting more and just convincing myself that the path um, to PE was, was still a viable one um, coming from consultants. So I, I would say it's, it's a little bit of both, right? It's a little bit of just practicality. Um, I, I do think it was harder to probably break into full-time banking um, than consulting at that point, um, but also just, just kind of my, my own personal interests. Um, I, I will say, I think, you know, it's a very personal decision um, and everyone really needs to treat it as such. Um, you know, in my own case, I think, you know, I think uh, consulting was absolutely the right move for me. Um, but it might, it might not be for everyone because, you know, I, I think from talking to my friends who also who are in banking and also recruited successfully for PE, um, you know, we were having some beers and we were kind of wondering, like, you know, what's the ideal path um, to in, in terms of like setup for, for kind of success in, in private equity? Because we were realizing that we, we both did, you know, very different jobs. Yeah. Um, but, you know, ultimately we were going to be doing the same job, um, you know, down the road. So it, it was an interesting thought experiment. And I think what, where, we, where we kind of landed was ideally you would want probably a year of banking and one to two years of consulting. Um, and, and that's, you know, I, I don't think that's obviously feasible at all, but I think it, it, it shows that there's, there's a lot of value in both. And I think the, the candidates that were successful in recruiting, they, they had both. Um, and so in my case, you know, what, what, for what banking gives you, I think it's, it's a lot of that skill set. And I think it, it makes the learning curve um, a lot shorter in the beginning. Um, and, and for me, that kind of the technical skill set, I think it's more natural for me to pick up. Um, whereas a lot of the other things you get in consulting, kind of more of those soft skills, um, the ability to communicate effectively, uh, interact with like a, an incredibly wide range of people and, and learn how to like work with them. Um, and, and just taking like a complex problem and just being able to structure it um, kind of quickly in, in a way that, that you can talk about it and, and iterate on it with other people. There's, there's so much, there's so much kind of nuance there and it's, it's kind of very kind of fuzzy. And it, I think it was, it's something I'm, I'm not as naturally good at. So in a way I went for the thing that I felt would, I would, I would uh, develop um, and appreciate more kind of from a long-term perspective. And I, I do think that was accurate. I, I have no doubt that, um, you know, when, when I do start the associate role, um, I'm sure the learning curve will be a lot steeper for me than for my banking counterparts. Um, but I have enough confidence and kind of self-awareness to know that, you know, I don't think it's going to be limiting. I think I'll get over it. Um, and in the I'll long run, you, I'll get uh, you access to the LBO modeling course we're releasing soon. <laughs> so or you'll be fine. You'll be fine. I mean, that's, yeah. it's teachable, right? And especially coming from an engineering exactly. background, like, like you came from where, you know, you're, you're comfortable, probably you, you'll, once you get your bearings in the pro in Excel and, and all that stuff, I'm sure you're doing some of it. Um, at your at your firm now at your consulting firm but obviously there's a lot more powerpoint there's a lot more like like you said strategic structuring of problems and um, um or industry kind of that nuances versus you know looking at something as a pure math <laughs> um you know irr and multiple and capitals it's, it's, it, yeah it exactly is but, but it, it is different but it's okay. but, but again right it's like i think i do think it's you know in, in my case you know that's what it was but i can definitely see for other people maybe banking is is kind of more valuable and maybe the, the stuff in consulting comes more naturally to them yeah. So I think it's that's an visible. interesting, that's an interesting debate. Like people who are more naturally, um, you know, inclined to be good, good at math and good with numbers, maybe would benefit more by going to the cult consulting side. Whereas the co people who maybe are better at structuring problems and strategic, strategically thinking, maybe <laughs> benefit more by going to the more, the technical, um, banking side. It's interesting. I mean, I think if your ultimate goal is private equity, I think we should say that the more well-worn path is investment banking into private equity. However, I've interviewed plenty of people um, on this podcast and, and I know there's, there's hundreds out there, if not thousands that have gone consulting private equity. It's, it's totally doable. And there's actually some funds that prefer consultants over bankers um, or have a mix. Um, so right, I think right. it's important to, for the listeners to know that um, if, if they don't go, um, if they don't go to investment banking, you know, it's not over by any means to get become an investor, especially if you if you have kind of a long term vision, right? Um, yeah. So, okay. So let's talk a little bit about well, those internships. What did you those internships you did that kind of led you to that belief of like, hey, I want to be um, be an investor? Did you? I assume during the consulting interviews you weren't forthcoming with all of that information because you know you wanted to uh, convey that you were excited about consulting. So. Is that something you were able to kind of somehow release or were you very guarded about that information? 
Yeah, you know, I definitely didn't say that I wanted to be an investor, um, yeah. but but it, it was actually I, I didn't find it that that difficult to be genuine in the interviews um, because mm -hmm. you know the beauty with consulting is I think they do target a lot of people that kind of had um, my background where essentially it may, might have looked unclear um, what I wanted to do, and I think that's a value proposition for a lot of you know a, a lot of candidates is you know you, you can basically enter it from any single major. Um, and you just need to be like kind of naturally curious. Um, so, you know, I obviously filtered, you know, the kind of the, the desire for investing at that part at that point, but I think it was, it was relatively easy to just convey that, you know, I, I I'm interested in what we do, at least from for you know, the first few years. And I don't think anyone cared or even just, you know, felt the need to probe as to whether or not I actually wanted to be a career consultant. That's fair. That's fair. And tell me a little bit about how you prepped for the the actual consulting case interviews because they're notorious um, for being difficult. Um, was it something where you were drilling with fellow classmates? How did you go about that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think uh, drilling with 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 classmates is kind of essential um, just to get down kind of the because there's there's some elements that I think when you're in an interview setting you kind of have to have practice so that you don't just skip right. So like the ability to kind of pause, not rush. Like make sure you understand the question clearly. Um, there's just kind of some kind of mechanical um, bits and pieces that you want to get down that I think you, you know, even if you're the, the smartest guy in the world, you should do this a few times just to, to make sure you don't, um, you know, screw yeah, that part you really up. don't want it be to be left brain frontal cortex thinking through it. You want it to be cerebellum completely natural <laughs> into your, into your, uh, what do they call it? The reptile brain. So it's like you're, yeah, you're it's, yeah. ref, it's reflexes, you know, kind of how to structure the problem immediately, or you have certain, frameworks that you can you can um, approach the case with without having to like come up with it on the spot i feel like that's that's the true value of drilling right um yeah tell me a little bit about um like other prep so was there anything else you did so you, you obviously were drilling with cases i assume you just got some online was there anything else you did that you felt like was important to performing well in the interviews or did you struggle with the interviews initially and then kind of get better how did how did that all work out for you yeah, you know, I, I think again, it's probably you know, it comes down to the person, right? I mean, in in my own case, this is going to sound bizarre, um, um, but but it's it's actually very much true. Uh, I actually think my 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 greatest uh, I don't know about difficulty, but the thing I had to just spend the most time on uh, was was relearning my times tables, literally. Um, like I'm I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm I am good at math, um, yeah. but I just did not remember my times tables. Um, <laughs> so I I literally had to drill those to make sure I could just do you know basic uh, basic math. Um, and, and I had to kind of practice doing it in front of people too, right? Like, I, you know, some people can do shortcuts, but I, I didn't, right? I, I would literally write out like, okay, if it was like, you know, 87 times 24, I mean, I would write that out and I would like say out loud every step as I was doing it, kind of just methodically. Um, and that way, you know, I learned not to make mistakes. So, you know, that, that was, that was probably just, just a little thing people don't think about, but it's, it's very important because it, it like what, what they're looking for is kind of your ability to, to handle pressure. And just kind of methodically go through something. And at the end of the day, like if you're if you're marginally curious and um, somewhat creative, and you know you have a baseline level of intelligence, it's not it's not like these things are not that difficult. Mm -hmm. um, I, I think a lot of it your testing is is not just your intelligence, but your ability to kind of do it in in a consulting setting. Um, and so that comes down to again, right? The, the preparation it just allows you then to actually use your brain and not be worrying about little things, right? So exactly. once you kind of practice that. Then you can start thinking. Okay, okay. Like I, I've got my bases covered. Let me actually now think about the interesting problem that's been posed, um, and you know, not worry about you know the mental math associated with it, or you know, have I paused too long? When you know, when this guy like asked me the question, you know, like just stupid stuff like that. Yeah, I agree. I think this applies to any sort of interview um, setting where if you've also drilled on your own stories and you know exactly what you want to say and the points you want to hit. Um, it makes it so much easier for when they interrupt or they kind of take it a different direction. You're not, you kind of know other stories you can pull from. You have a whole wealth of kind of things you can pull on if you've interviewed a lot and you don't get thrown off. Like if you get interrupted or taken in a different direction, you can really just be curious and have a conversation and enjoy it rather than it being like this intense hot seat um, <laughs> kind of moment. I, I always implore people like, you know, you study the, you know, our interview courses, people buy them and they'll go straight to the technical interview prep and they'll just like go through there, make sure they know all the technical questions and all the answers. And they think, okay, I'm good now. And it makes them at ease, but it's, that's not even close to what they need to do. Um, it's so much more about uh, being able to establish a connection with the person across from you 
being confident, right? And being and having that having that thing. Do you feel like you, you know, coming from an engineering background, did you feel like, you know, once you knew your times tables, you were able to kind of establish that connection with people? Were you, are you naturally good like that? Or is it something that took some practice? Well, I think that actually honestly comes back to the, the thing I was saying earlier where, you know, I, I think now I'm a lot better at it just because I've done this job um, yeah. for a while at this point. Um, but, you know, actually, I, I, I think that was probably, um, I think I probably came across more nervous um, and just, just not really sure of, of what to expect because this was just very new for me. Um, and, and I don't think just the, the kind of the situation was, was something I was familiar with. So, um, you know, in, in some parts, that was probably not one of my strengths, but I was, you know, like I said, I think the practice allowed me then to kind of stop worrying so much um, and just kind of just get to know everyone on a kind of individual level. And now, now for me, it's like, it's like table stakes, right? It's like every, every day in some sense, I have to meet some new person and get to know them and make some sort of small talk. Yeah. And, and it's, it's something that, you know, it's, it's like a skill I've, I've picked up. Definitely wasn't as natural back then. Um, but, but at the same time, right? Like I, after, after a couple iterations of it, I at least realized that, okay, you know, this isn't, this isn't some terrifying ordeal, right? This is someone who's like two, three years older than me, at least in the first rounds. Like he, he, he's not looking for anything other than just to like get through his day and, you know, maybe have a beer afterwards um, and just relax. Right. So at least just reminding myself that these were people um, and that there was actually nothing to like worry about that much. Um, definitely kind of helped me quite a bit in, in the beginning. Yeah. I think that that mindset is so critical. So you're, so you're kind of uh, going through this is were you given multiple offers um, where, wherever you, you know, where you ended up, was that like your only offer? Tell me a little bit about, how that whole, and was it senior, you know, senior year that you got it? Cause I know you had other internships, I think none of which were in consulting. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So I, I just did full-time recruiting, um, didn't do internships. Um, and yeah, so I ended up just with one offer. Um, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I think a lot, like, like anything, and I'll probably talk about this more with PE because PE is even more uncertain, but you can never really guarantee, I think anything. Um, there's just always some amount of luck. And so, you know, just even, I didn't even get an interview for one of the three. Um, and another friend I know who was extremely accomplished, um, like ended up being, um, ended up, I think he might've been valedictorian at some point um, or at the end of it. But anyways, he also just didn't get an interview from the same firm, right? And, and sometimes it's just, it's difficult to understand why or, or how, you know, you do or don't get interviews, even if you have networked. So, um, so kind of down there, you know, you're already down to, to two out of the three, um, mm -hmm. you know, got to the final round and, and one of them, um, and was lucky enough to secure an offer from that point. Were you, um, were you only applying to the top consulting firms and did you have a backup plan if, if you didn't get that offer your senior year? Um, so no, I, I applied to other firms, um, as well. Mm -hmm. Um, I had, um, I had kind of like some experience with, with like a boutique consulting firm, like in a, in a part-time role. Um, okay. basically once I had realized that I was pivoting away from, from engineering and kind of took a shotgun approach and try to get as many experiences and kind of internships or, or part-time gigs as I could just to, you know, really see what was out there. That's great. Um, so I, I had a bit of context into kind of what, what consulting was at least and kind of how, um, you know, how it stacked up just in, in the landscape of recruiting. Um, um, but I think like for, for PE recruiting, I, I kind of learned that, you know, it was really MBB or bust, unfortunately. Um, so, you know, luckily, luckily it did not work complete out in bust, not complete bust. I did interview someone recently who was non MBB I actually titled it non MBB right. to PE because it was so rare. <laughs> yeah, I saw that actually. Um, uh, but yeah, it, I agree with you. I mean, to say that, oh yeah, you can get to, to private equity from a you know, non-top consulting room. Is, is, it's incredibly difficult. Um, so, but yeah, so to answer your question, honestly, if I hadn't, if I hadn't gotten an offer, um, mm -hmm. I don't know what I would have done. It might not have been consulting. I might've, um, I, honestly, I don't know. I would probably would have kind of gone back to the drawing board and thought, okay, how do I keep my options open? Mm -hmm. um, maybe I would have deferred for a year or maybe even done like a PhD or something. I, I don't know. Okay. Um, like it, it would have been, it would have been like, I think kind of a stepwise process that I went through it. Like, okay, like you know, this door is closed. How do I, how do I keep my options open? Okay. That's fair. It's an, a very logical way to approach it. Um, so tell me a little bit about, um, so your time now at MBB, tell me a little bit about you know, what's that, what has that been like? Has it, you know, it sounds like you've developed some softer skills. Um, do you feel like any hard skills, you've developed any hard skills, any sort of kind of strategic thinking at all? Um, or would you lump that into the soft skills as well? Being an engineer, you so, probably would, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah, you know, I mean, I, I almost hesitate to, when I, when I think of banking, I think of like a, a, a skill set that you develop. Um, and, and, I, and especially because, you know, talking to friends have now been through it, they, what they kind of describe 
um, at least I have an end of like three or four at this point, it, kind of a, a universal theme that um, they, they described at least was after the first year, they really felt like they had, they had kind of plateaued in a way. Like the, the first year was, was just an enormous learning curve and they learned so much, but kind of after the, after the first several months, um, they were, felt like they, in some ways they were kind of doing the same thing over and over again and in some ways kind of being the monkey um, that, that we make fun of on the site. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think, but when I think of banking, I think of like actual tangible, almost, almost skill set you can develop. With consulting, I, I wouldn't, some might, people might say it's a broader skill set, but I wouldn't even compare it to a skill set. I just think it's, it's just so variable and really what you're, you're, you're getting is just exposure to like an incredibly wide array of situations. And even after a few years, the like one person's experience is very likely to be very different from another person's experience, even if they're at the same firm. So you've recruited for private equity and you, um, you ended up getting an offer. Can you talk to me a little bit about that whole process and what that was like? Yeah, yeah totally. Um, and like you said earlier, Patrick, you know, of course, it's, it's the case, I think, statistically, that, that certainly more bankers end up um, going, going to PE. Um, I think the, the, the one thing I, the first thing I want to say at a high level is, um, I, I think it's very much the case, obviously, like, I think that your probability of success is generally higher from banking than consulting. Um, the, the one thing that I do think is a misconception though, um, that I definitely realized going through the process is there's a difference between kind of, you know, the, the, the overall number of people and then the actual probability of success. And cause I think it's very easy just to look at the placements um, but no one really ever knows the denominator. And there's just a lot less interest um, coming even at the top from the top three firms. Um, so I actually found that that the the experience wasn't as much of a long shot. There was a lot more legwork that uh, absolutely you had to do on your own because because you're not surrounded by people who are also recruiting. You have to um, I think I think just just try more to make sure you get the right materials, try more to make sure you're doing the right networking and doing the right reach outs. Um, but from from what I could see, Coming from from MEB, I don't think the I think the odds of success um, were were a lot higher than I uh, kind of initially anticipated. So that's kind of the first thing I would say is, is I think there might be a misconception in in terms of you know maybe some middle market bank is still you're still going to have better odds than if you're coming from from Bain or McKinsey. And I think all else being equal, if you do the, the same legwork, um, you you have actually a, a relatively comparable chance because at the same at the end of the day, right? Like well, you just need to get interviews and you need to make sure that you have the opportunities and um, I, I knew almost no candidates who had put in all the legwork and were unable to secure um, secure interviews. In fact, most of the time, it's it's like banking, where even though the universe of firms that consider consultants is smaller, you still end up with way more interviews than you have time for during the on-cycle process. So mm. um, I found actually, but when all, all everything kind of came push to shove, you know, everyone everyone kind of had the same experience in on-cycle, where it was just chaotic for everybody, and um, everyone you know only had maybe time for for three maybe four interviews um, and you just kind of had to, to play the game as best as you could and, and pick the firms um, that you thought you had the best chance at succeeding at. Let's talk about that on-cycle recruiting process a little bit and specifically recruiters, because I think um, sometimes recruiters are just like have the blinders on for, you know, banking, bank, banking. Were, were you able to kind of get through to them with your background? That was pretty impressive um, to, to have them get you in certain processes or only certain, certain amounts, certain recruiters and others not? Yeah, you know, th- it's actually, it's a lot more standardized than um, I-, I think people give it credit for. Um, so, so basically there is, you know, if you think of the whole universe of PE firms, um, there is like a strict subset that um, hire consultants um, and or bankers. I think, you know, there's actually a couple firms that only hire consultants and generally there's, you know, there's some firms that are kind of open to both. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I would say it's, it's not impossible to go outside of those consulting friendly firms if you're a consultant, but um, it's, it's extremely difficult. And frankly, I don't recommend it because it's kind of like, why, right? Like, yeah. at, at first, you know, I was even thinking like, oh, you know, maybe I want to keep my options open as much as possible. But that's before, you know, I realized that you only end up having the opportunity to interview a finite number of firms. And these are fantastic firms. You know, there are a lot of them are upper middle market uh, firms, um, even some mega funds. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I... And one of the things I actually found and I, I really thought was, was funny when I kind of went through it is when I was networking, I realized even if I was a banker, I probably would have ended up targeting those firms anyway, because I found for, for whatever reason, the, the firms that had a consulting kind of heritage um, tended to be have a lot better of a culture and tended to just mm-hmm. kind of align with, with, with what I kind of or tended to resonate with kind of the, the work that I, I'd rather do in terms of how they talked about it and, um, you know, how the people just generally kind of felt um, during, during our chats. So, um, you know, I, I would highly encourage all consultants to kind of just, you know, not try to 
aim for the KKRs of the world because even if you were that like one in a million, um, you're you know you're going to be kind of trying to fit a mold that you're not right. Like they're they're they're, they're expecting you to be a banker, um, and why not go to a firm that actually appreciates your skill set? So that's kind of my two cents on that. Um, but but kind of once when you know once you've looked at that universe, um, you know there's there's probably like 15 to 20 firms um, that'll that'll give you a look um, if you're from MEB. Mm-hmm. And at that point, the process actually looks quite similar to banking where, um, you know, the universe is smaller, but there's actually a lot fewer, uh, you know, people, like I said. So I think the supply and demand kind of comes out to be relatively equivalent. Mm-hmm. And it's just a function of, um, you know, landing those those interviews for OnCycle. Interesting. Tell me a little bit about um, the legwork you put in before OnCycle even hit. Did you, um, were you reaching out to a lot of people networking beforehand? Was it, or is it just, did it surprise you the timing? Cause I know it was early every year. It's earlier and earlier. It seems. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's, 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 so let me, let me first off say that like the process. Can I, can I just explain to the list? Can I explain to the listeners who don't know this on cycle yeah. recruiting is typically, uh, done where they recruit you for a job that's almost, two years out or a year, a year and nine months out <laughs> now, if we're talking 2020. Um, so in other words, um, for an investment banking analyst, oftentimes they'll be recruiting for a job right after they get out of training. Um, and for consultants, it's typically one or two years, sometimes two years after they've joined the firm, they will be, um, they'll be recruited. So, but it can be for an offer that's so far away in the future. Did you, so sometimes you have some legwork leg or you have a chance to do legwork, uh, but other times it's like right on you right away. So that's just for the listeners that don't know what on-cycle PE recruiting is. Just a little primer there. Yeah, and you bring up a good point that I forgot to mention. Um, the, I think the only other difference people should be aware of is generally you know, over 80% or, or even 90, um, if I had to guess, uh, percent of consultants that successfully place um, generally do so in their second year. Um, but I think it's, I, I don't think it's because the likelihood is actually that much different, right? If you're, if you're fully prepared as a first year, um, mm-hmm. and, and you start early, um, I think it's actually, you know, you're going to be able to get looks from, from the majority of the firms anyway. I don't think there's a necessarily a strong bias. Um, but the reason that bifurcation happens is, well, naturally, I think the, the biggest reason is a lot of consultants actually just literally start after <laughs> on cycle happens at this point. Yeah. Um, so they're literally, you know, you can't really interview if you're not, you don't have a job yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, but also I think, you know, just generally you're getting, you're, you're selecting for people that aren't really as gung-ho necessarily about PE and might need that year to figure out what it is they want to do. Um, so when you kind of combine those two factors, generally you're, you're looking at second years that recruit. Um, but, but it's, it's by no means, you know, like, like a, a prerequisite. You can definitely, um, you can definitely still approach it like a banker would and, and kind of try to recruit right out of the gates. Got it. And so how would you, you know, in terms of like prepping for before on cycle happens, whether it's your first or second year, how would you prep for that did you do any legwork kind of leading up to to on cycle knowing it was coming yeah you know i i had the the privilege of you know knowing a few people who had gone through it the prior year and and kind of walked me through their experience um so in a way i think i was mentally kind of trying to to get ready for it for for several months leading into it um you know everyone kind of had the expectation that it's probably going to be you know a couple months even earlier than um you know than than it was the prior year just because that's what the trend uh, looks like um, go buy side has a pretty good graph showing the, the time that on cycles kick off over time. And, you know, at least in the last few years, you kind of see this kind of steady, steady, uh, you know, crawl towards the actual start date of the, of the banking analyst. What do you think in the July. future? What, what is it going to be, uh, this year? Let's make a prediction. <laughs> so, so no, that, that's actually really, that's like key Patrick. Um, because, you know, I think in some ways, even though I have the most recent experience with OnCycle, you know, it being 2019, I think in some ways my, my experience might actually be, you know, only as relevant as, as someone's from maybe even 2015, because I, I think this might be the year that kind of finally breaks the camel's back and, and starts like a new trend. Um, I mean, I, the, the whole thing is fascinating, right? It's like this, it's just this game theory sandbox experiment of like hyper competitive, hyper capitalistic people competing over scarce resource. So it's fascinating to see this game theory play out over time. Mm-hmm. And right now, you know, I just literally can't imagine that we're going to be able to hit September um, or even earlier. And so I imagine that that's going to start like a whole new trend. So no one knows what's going to happen, but whatever does happen this year, I, I would think would kind of kind of influence then what's going to happen in subsequent years and kind of start a new chapter in this whole on cycle saga so for the record i'm going to make a prediction for the record it's what may may 18th today i am predicting that on cycle happens this year right after july 4th 
You're kidding. <laughs> um, no, no. This and it's going to be virtual. And people are going to be getting offers virtually, since everyone's that's, not even. <laughs> that's, well, that's my prediction. I, I would be shocked. That's my prediction, just because they're so aggressive. Um, there's no. They already know the kids coming. I feel like they already know the kids that are coming in. Um, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe July's a little aggressive. Okay, I'll, I'll change it. I'll say August. I'll say mid-August. <laughs> I mean, you could be right. I just figured that with COVID and people getting their start date, dates pushed back and, and, you know, doing remote starts, it, it seems, you know, impossible to me to, to think of on cycle happening. But you know what? Just You're a Zoom link right. away. Just a Zoom link away, man. <laughs> You're right. Maybe maybe this will actually accelerate the trend. And we'll just yeah, start, part of me thinks like, like, well, if they're not going to be able to meet anyways, why not just grab them now? If they, if they can't do the coffee chats and all that stuff start like oh let's just start some informational chats why don't you get to know our firm and then all of a sudden they're like accept or don't, accept or don't accept that's it. it only takes one one fun to do that and then that person tells their friend and then boom they're off to the races um so that's why i think you know, just the the dynamics just always lead to it running earlier i i was joking with uh, i think a reporter business insider when is it, they always ask me like what do you think this and i'm like well i'm like the natural the, the earliest they could go is right after somebody gets their full-time offer junior year <laughs> they could give them an offer for three and a half years later uh, or four years later um i mean that's that's the absolute earliest right um if you take it to yeah. the maximum but well I, so. I guess the other would be is if you just like cut out an associate recruiting entirely and you just go for analysts yeah, they start opening up more analyst programs. That's already started happening a little bit here and there, but right. it's not widespread yet. Um, I, I don't think we're going to lose associate recruiting because I think, I mean, I, I, I think it's actually so valuable to have a couple of years of doing something different before you potentially specialize in PE your whole career. But, you know, I could be wrong. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see how it evolves. It'll be fun to watch either way. Um, not, not necessarily fun to prepare for. So I'm sorry for all the monkeys out there that have to get ready. So, okay, so you're... You're kind of, uh, in terms of prepping from consulting, you kind of, did you have the universe set? Is there a set, did you, it's pretty well known, I guess, which private equity funds take consultants. You can do a LinkedIn search or whatnot, or, you know, certain types of um, funds obviously are, are, are the obvious ones, but is there is there something you did kind of leading up like a lot of networking, anything like that, or, or spoke to certain recruiters? Yeah, yeah. So I'll run through, I guess, kind of like the the year leading up to it. Um, first, I'll say that there's a there's a great post by um, a user like M B B E M B E E B E, mm -hmm. um, and and his basically his his experience doing what I did the the prior year, so 2018, mm -hmm. um, coming as a consultant. And I think he has a list of the um, the consulting friendly firms. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, it, it's pretty well known. I think it should, it should be on this website, like even just like a quick search. Um, I, like I said, the universe is about 15 to 20 that, that really, um, that are kind of top upper middle market, um, slash mega fund firms that are generally kind of competing after the same, um, consultant talent pool. Yep. Um, and so, you know, in terms of preparation, um, yeah, so I, I was lucky to know people that kind of had gone through it and they, and they kind of walked me through and gave me some heads up. So I had some vague expectation, you know, as much as I could of kind of what was going in and. I think mentally try to, you know, try to be preparing myself and, and thinking that, okay, I'm going to be doing this. So, um, to try to just be, you know, as, as prepared as possible for when it would kick off. Mm -hmm. Um, let me say that like, so given that I, it's, it's still absolutely just blew my mind how utterly insane and, and just, in, just, just incredulous the entire process is. I mean, like Tell the me day about it. kick off. Tell me about it. So yeah, yeah they, I mean, you got an email from, <laughs> from what a recruiter saying you have to interview this person at 1 a.m. Uh, talk with these people at 1 a.m. Like, what was it like? I mean, it's just, it's funny because I thought I was being as prepared as I could and there's just nothing that actually prepares you. So the, the morning of, you know, no one knows what's happening. Um, there was nobody that thought it was going to kick off. And then suddenly I get a text from a friend saying, oh, I, I heard TA might be interviewing. And so there's like chatters for kind of a few hours on at that point, like what's happening? Would this be the start? You know, at this point, I would say like when everyone woke up that morning, absolutely nobody thought it was going to kick off that week. I mean, it was already like people had a sense it was probably going to be moved up maybe to like the, 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 the following week if you were like going to be really aggressive. Um, just because at this point, it was still early September. Um, and everyone's pricing in, right? Like like some some earlier date than what it was last year but somehow it always managed to surprise everyone so like that morning literally 
no one thought it was going to kick off. And then all these whispers start happening and they just start spiraling out of control. And I literally remember, um, I, I, I suddenly got this like ad hoc coffee chat from a firm, um, that I was networking with. And I, I mentioned it to another firm, um, that I was like, Hey, like you guys know what's happening. I was just talking to this firm and it seems like, like this process might be ramping up. And then I guess they interpreted that as a potential interview. So they told their headhunting firm. So I got a call from the headhunter freaking out, like, oh my God, did you just get an interview? And it's just like, everyone's trying to figure out what's happening. Yeah, so everyone so like just the, goes. The loop, <laughs> yeah, the loop actually closed on me, which was fascinating. It was like funny seeing the gossip, like turn around. I was like, no, no, no. I was literally just like, like just had like a coffee chat. Mm -hmm. um, and this was that day. And so then it, everyone kind of settled down again, but you could tell there was just intensity. And then three hours later, it kicked off. <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly I got an yeah because I, I there's email, one there's you know, all it takes is once you have that yeah. ra once you've rattled the cage a little bit it's like everyone's jumpy and they're like we just gotta go just go now exactly uh, so I mean literally like like then three hours later I get I get an email like you know go interview in 25 minutes and so like you had to just go to a, go to some offices right away and start the process yeah exactly I mean and then everyone just kind of suddenly bolts um, you know leaves work. Um, this was this was Thursday night, and then I think the the process for for most firms in earnest probably began you know Friday morning first thing. Were they? Um, I mean, at a consulting firm, did they understand this process? Like, were they forgiving if you just what if you were on a project and you had a deliverable that next morning? Uh, so I did actually. Uh, I was up. I, I really didn't sleep that night. Um, you know, after after the the Thursday night interview, um, I was up late, kind of working on on some stuff um, and telling my manager like, "Sorry, man, I'm I'm not going to be in tomorrow." Um, yeah, so it's, and then, you know, the interviews were starting at like 7am in earnest. Um, it was, I mean, I, I literally did not sleep. I, I think I might've gotten maybe like 30 minutes in total, but there's so much adrenaline too, right? Why? Because you were, it's, you were, you basically had the, the interview Thursday night. What time did you start that? And what time did you get out? Uh, eight, I think I got out around 1231. Um, you know, at that morning. point it was clear. They're kind of, they were kind of throwing me out. Um, and so, you know, just, just kind of throwing you out because myself. you didn't, you didn't get the offer or. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, that, that particular, I, mean, I think most firms, um, when they when they started Thursday night, they started giving out a few at like maybe one or 2 AM in the morning. So I made it pretty far, but ended up not, I don't think I made it to kind of the, the final round. So they, you know, they told me, you know, they, they, it's clear when they're throwing you out, they say like the headhunter will contact you, but you kind of have to know that, you know, it's, it's yeah. time you on, know, on to the next one. You know, you know that if you're not getting the offer right there, that it's done. Yeah, exactly. So then, you know, just had to kind of go home and, and kind of schedule schedule the next day um, and try to get some sleep. Why didn't you sleep? Um, Why didn't you sleep? Just because I mean, I was, I was everything was starting at seven. Like I said, I was also had some I had some work that I that had built up that I had to get done before I was able to really just, you know, completely ignore it for, for, the, for the following day. And then honestly, even if I tried to sleep like immediately, I don't think I would have been successful. Um, there was just too much adrenaline, too much nerves. Were you like going through the interview in your head basically all night? Like, what did I do wrong? What could I have done better? And not even, I was just already so focused on, on the next day. Um, yeah. And, and th so this is, this is the point I think that's, that's really, you know, can't be understated to everyone is, you know, you you want to be as prepared and you want to think this through as much as you can, because when it hits, it's, it's like that, that thing I was describing in, in you know, in the interview where, you know, maybe you kind of freeze up and, and you're, you don't really know what to do. And you kind of, it's good if you practice because you have some muscle memory. It's like this, but times a thousand, like you'll have to make split, split second decisions that have like wide ranging and long lasting impacts in your career. So let me give you an example. Like these firms, it, it's, it's game theory, not only, with the other firms, with the candidates themselves. And so if you're, if you're like a Blackstone, maybe you'll want to hold your top 20 candidates knowing you're only going to give 10 of them offers, but you want the other 10 because they're still fantastic candidates and you don't want them to go elsewhere. And so if you're one of those candidates, you might be getting held up in the lobby and you're going to have to make a decision. Do I just walk out of this firm? You're going to have to like evaluate because at some point you're going to miss other interviews if you stay there long enough. And so you kind of have to read them and figure out what's your probability of success. And I, I mean, that happened to me on, on Friday. I was, I was at a firm and they were like kind of equivocating us whether or not I was going to move on. They were kind of just keeping me there. And at some point I had to stand up and say, all right, guys, like I'm on to the next one. Um, and, and, and I'm so lucky I did that because the firm I ended up going to was the firm I ended up signing at following that. And if I had stayed, um, odds are that I probably would have struck out and had to have gone to off-cycle recruiting. Why do you think you would have struck out? Just because you weren't getting a really strong sense or they just weren't, they had, were they more of a, a fund that typically hired a, a blend? Uh, a little bit of both. Yeah. But I, I was just like, the, I didn't get a strong sense. I know I, I hadn't performed as well as I could have in the beginning. 
Mm. Um, and so, you know, it was, it was, it was clear that some of the kind of, how are you, how are you, how are you evaluating yourself to know that to, to, because I feel like it's obvious if you completely bomb, just get out of there and go to the next one. Um, but how are you evaluating yourself if you did okay? Um, like, was it, was it just more like your delivery on things? Was it more like walking through a case and how you walk through or, or, or a modeling test? What were they putting you through? That kind of gave you that sense. Yeah. So for, for this one, I think, um, I, I knew I didn't, I didn't finish the model in time. So it was pretty clear that, you know, the, I, I had done an okay recovery and I think what I did was all right, but it definitely wasn't, you know, perfect work. Um, so, I mean, immediately there, right. You know, you're not going to be a top candidate, mm. um, off the bat. And I think I, I recovered okay, which is why they didn't throw me out immediately. But, you know, I still knew I was in that kind of middle ground limbo. Oh, that's interesting. So you, you didn't finish them. So like when you're walking through the model after they, they forced you to just basically walk through it with them. Yeah, exactly. Like your recovery was good, but then you immediately were thinking, mm, that's not going to put, someone's going to, there's going to be enough people acing it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I didn't, I didn't finish the model, right? That's in some senses that that, that could be a nail in the coffin, you yeah. know, to, in, in some people's minds. How much time did um, they give you and how, how detailed was it? Uh, I think it varies a lot for different, for different firms. Um, some firms have an hour, some firms have a three hour model. Um, it, it's, it's totally variable. Um, I, I will say it. even coming, well, coming back to just your question also like how I prepared because mm -hmm. to the, for the consulting point as well. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I did, I did basically as much preparation as, as I could both on the banking and the consulting side. And, and I highly recommend that for everyone. Um, because so, you know, the, the Wall Street Oasis stuff, uh, absolutely. I think it's super helpful, especially for consultants to get those kind of the, those modeling skills down. Mm -hmm. Um, and then kind of simultaneously for the bankers, especially, I, I we think have a, is undervalue. We, we have a new LBO modeling course coming out too, which we're going to pack. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> There you go. So yeah, um, for the consultants out there that want even more reps um, or just a really robust model and kind of really to understand the frameworks of an LBO, if you go through that, it can be sharp. That's my little plug. Sorry, I keep going. Yeah, but no, but I, I think what's what's actually really really key here to, to highlight is um, so so there's there's kind of almost two different kinds of interviews, right? There's there's kind of the, the traditional banking interview, and then the consultants. A lot of the times, the headhunters will be not even telling the consultants to worry that much about modeling because consultants kind of have their own PE interviews. It's a lot more kind of case study focused. You talk a little bit more kind of about an investment rather than focusing on maybe the details of, of the particular Excel cells that you filled in. Right. Um, but, you know, so, so there's, there's resources on, on practicing both of those. As you can imagine, right, consultants will tend to focus more on, on the latter and bankers on the former. Um, but I, I did kind of as much prep on, on both fronts as I could. And, and I highly, highly recommend that. I mean, I'm not saying that like consultants need to, you know, become as good at, as a banker as building a three-hour model. Far from it. But what, what I think is, is just by like at least learning and doing some basic modeling on my own, I think it really helps you on the consulting interviews because then the things you're talking about, you actually can ground them and you know how they're going to flow through. Um, and similarly, for the bankers, you know, I, I, actually, I think one of the, 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 the biggest kind of levers that immediately kick bankers out is sure, they could, they could kind of make the model, but then they weren't able to kind of talk about it and, and then frame it in terms of an investment. And they weren't kind of able to, to sound like an investor in the way that they kind of were, were then digesting and, and um, discussing it after the fact. Interesting. That's really interesting, actually. So tell me a little bit about, about the timing. So, okay, 7 a.m., you're at there at the first place for how long? Two hours? Hour. Uh, yeah, two, two and a half. How do you even know you have other ones lined up? Or just you're looking at your phone and like they're like, "Hey, we have this one here, go." And so you know, you know if you need if you have that opening or not. Yeah. So they were all. I, I booked them all kind of the, the prior night at like 11, 11 p.m. And how many did you book for that following day? Three, four. Uh, three, three. I, I ended up not getting into the third one. Um, so basically, the first one I struck out was the one I walked out of. Mm -hmm. um, second one was was the one where you know I got lucky. Um, and I didn't even get to the third one. And so if you had, let's say it had gone day, it was kind of that Thursday night. And then let's say that Friday all day had not worked out. Would there have been more on Saturday or do you feel like it would have just been done, like done by the end of day Friday or into Saturday morning? Um, I, I do know that there were, um, there were definitely still doing interviews on Saturday, mm -hmm. um, even beyond kind of my maybe more unique case. Um, but it was really kind of starting to peter out. Maybe these were like a top candidate from, you know, one, one firm and they just got cut because they were like the last candidate and they didn't get the offer. So maybe then they're, they turned to another, another firm that recognized that they were a top candidate and gave them a shot. But I mean, at, at this point, like the, the vast majority of, of, of kind of the, the initial crop, I think has gone through on Friday. And I only saw kind of a trickle um, 
starting Saturday. So I think I, th- I do think it tends to kind of bleed into the, to the following week, and some people actually have it like be a full week long process. Yeah. Um, but but for the most part, at least the, the, the firm I know that I signed at, they were really done by uh, by Sunday. Wow. Yeah. So it's two to three days typically. <laughs> and do you feel like um, looking back when you went into third for that Thursday? Thursday night one, was that helpful to kind of get that rep in? Or do you feel like the sleep deprivation that <laughs> preceded in the exhaustion was actually more harmful for your Friday performance? I mean, that's, that's a great question, right? And this is, this is exactly what I'm talking about when I, when I kind of, you know, mean you need to think through this stuff because it's hard to make these decisions in the moment. Um, I wasn't really sure. I mean, I think going in, the, in I think going was, it was a good call. Um, I think probably what would have been a, a more, a more interesting trade-off that I wasn't really sure of is then I had to make a call, you know, then at like one in the morning when I was talking to headhunters, do I schedule, do I start off immediately at 7am and give myself potentially an extra interview? Um, but, but at the same time, you know, sleep deprive myself. Um, and, and that's a hard trade-off, right? And there's just like all sorts of these little kind of difficult, difficult split. I think that's a yes. I think that's a yes. Cause that extra swing is pretty valuable. I think. And I don't know. I mean, in, in my case, honestly, it's, if, if it I almost hurt like, you. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I literally like literally wasn't able to speak English by the end of it. I mean, I, I'm 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 obviously like not trained like a banker. So I was probably listening to this guy and thinking, <laughs> you didn't like, have wow, a, he's weak. You didn't he's have weak. enough coffee. <laughs> I mean, anyway, so I, I think I need sleep more than most people. But but again, right, it's just there's just all sorts of stuff. And there's it's like none of this, like no one's really ever prepared for this. I Talk think. to me about the game um, theory of knowing kind of where you're at on the spectrum of candidates in terms of attractiveness. So for example, you said it's not just game theory on the firm side, it's game theory on the candidate side, because if a firm is a top fund um, and you're say at a middle market bank that doesn't have the brand, but they're bringing you in anyways, or you're, um, and let's say you did, you did really well. Is it worth it to eat up your whole Friday or your whole day there trying to hang on? Um, versus going to a fund that maybe isn't as well known, maybe not a mega fund, maybe it's you know it's still a great could still be an amazing fund, um, but just doesn't have the the brand name or whatnot. What what would you say to people like that? Is it important to kind of be able to rank yourself and be realistic? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that comes also down right to to doing as much legwork as you can. Um, a lot of that comes from networking. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, I, I really can't undervalue the, the networking piece as well because it, it helps you get to know these firms. And, and just it, there's so much just intangible stuff you can even just pick up from the way people talk to you, the way they like talk about your background during like an initial call. And you, and you learn, it's very bi-directional, right? It, it obviously helps you get it in some regards. It helps you get the interview, but it also really helps you figure out how to differentiate these firms. Because I think, I think going in, there's, there's very little information online. And it's very difficult for people to have a preconceived notion of PE firm A versus BE firm B, especially when they're like on a similar size bracket. Um, but, but that's essential, right? It's essential to, to doing exactly what you said, to be able to kind of contextualize how you kind of stack up in this process. Um, and especially then, right, it's because almost all candidates end up having the opportunity to interview at more places than they have time for, it's really important for then how you're kind of figure out, you know, what, what, what schedule that you put together for yourself. So, you know, if, if you're a consultant, then for some reason, Blackstone decides to give you an interview, you know, that's great. Um, but you might want to think about if, if that's really a good decision versus maybe the, the consultant friendly upper middle market firm that you have to make that you have to kind of pick over it, knowing that your odds are going to be significantly higher at that firm. Mm, yeah. It's important. It's a really important uh, thought exercise. I think in the moment, you don't want to get kind of uh, tempted to take necessarily the biggest brand. You should really try to go for the one that's the best fit for you. So you can really kind of be genuine in the interview, really kind of communicate that and why you're there. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think the ability to be genuine um, just, just from, you know, having all these kind of prior conversations um, was, was super, super helpful on my end. For sure. Okay. Anything else um, before uh, I know this was, this went on a little longer than I expected, but I love I always love hearing the uh, the war stories of these of these uh, crazy crazy on cycle uh, processes. So I, it sounded it obviously worked out for you. You came back the next morning. How many other how many more interviews did you do that next morning? Uh, no, that morning it was kind of the final uh, final round. So it was just with kind of the the, the top people I needed to get by. Um, so it was just it was just three kind of hit it hard off the off the bat, and then within two hours, um, you know, I, I they gave given me the offer um so yeah and it was, it was an easy at that point it's an easy yes for you, right 
Oh yeah, it was, it was very easy for me. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm really glad I did it too, because honestly, if, it was another one of those things. They kind of gave me the option to go to, to either go to bed or come back or, or, or kind of continue on that night. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I chose to go to bed and I, you know what I mean? It's like those little, those little things I, I, I think might've made the difference. It's interesting. I think if you were a banker, you probably would have thought it was a test or something <laughs> like, and stayed and just suffered through it. I don't know. It's interesting. Maybe as a, at a consulting friendly shop, they're not as, uh, the hardo uh, factor isn't as strong there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I definitely felt that way in networking and that the, 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 yeah. the consulting friendly firms were a lot nicer. Interesting. Well, I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing all this. Anything else you'd like to share about just the process in general that you think would be helpful to, to students out there, to, to bankers or consultants? Yeah, I mean, so, uh, well, I'll, I'll say, you know, again, Patrick, thank you for, for having me. Um, you know, I am really happy to, to do this because, um, you know, this, w- one of the things you really do realize in OnCycle especially is just how opaque um, and how insular this industry is. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, to the extent that, um, you know, I can help, give some people like information onto, onto what this is like and, and hopefully help some people through this process. Um, I really do think it, it does a great service to, to the industry by kind of helping to sustain the meritocracy that we all want to believe in. So, you know, it, I think this is this, I don't know when you started this website, it was like 2008. Is that right? Oh, six, actually. Oh, six. Okay. Wow. Well, like I know, yeah, I know it helped, it, it helped me a ton through it. And I come from a relatively kind of fortunate background. Um, and I can only imagine like how much good this has done in terms of people that are kind of totally from outside the, quintessential spectrum. I still think it's a huge problem, especially with accelerated recruiting now. I think it's even more pronounced that if you don't know, you just don't know and you can miss out on the entire, and I think SEO does some great work with uh, underrepresented minorities, but I think it's it's still a huge, there's just a huge gap in just a, just base knowledge coming out of high school. And I say coming Absolutely. out of high school, I say coming out of high school because by the time, like if, if you're a freshman and you know where you want to go, like whether that's consulting or banking, it's a huge advantage, huge advantage because yeah. you can start the legwork of networking. I mean, some, one of my mentees, she's a freshman at Fordham and like, she's going to have no problem because she's just been, she's going now. She's starting now and she's going to, she already has an internship lined up. She's done. She's going to get all the offers and everything because she's just knows the process. She knows the game and I've coached her up on that, but it's really about, do you know it or not? Um, yeah. If you don't, and you, you wake up junior year thinking, okay, so what do I want for my full-time job in a year and a half? Nope. Too late. Sorry. <laughs> Everything's done. Everything's done. Um, if all of a sudden you think, uh, you know, banking or even consulting is not, it's not exactly, they do leave open some full-time spots more than, more than banking does, but it's still tough. Yeah. So. Well, I, I hope then this was like helpful for, helpful for some people, especially if they're thinking, you know, about the, about the consulting path. So, you yeah, know, it's, it's real, it's real. I think it's understated. Um, but you know, at the same time, if, if, if you are gung ho for PE, um, you know, banking might be the right, right path. So cool. Well, I appreciate all of your wisdom. Thank you for sharing the fun stories. Um, and yeah, we'll be in touch. All right. It was super fun, Patrick. Thank you. And thanks to you, my listeners at wall street Oasis. If you have any suggestions whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send them my way. Patrick at wall street Oasis.com. And until next time.